The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. For years, they had tried to have a child, but eventually they resigned themselves to being childless. So when in their old age, God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, well, this son Isaac, when he was born, he was the culmination of two lifetimes worth of hopes and dreams. Abraham loved his son Isaac. When we find Isaac today in the book of Genesis, he's grown a little. He's probably a teenager, and he was still his father's joy and delight. And God knew that. He knew how much Abraham loved Isaac. You can hear that when God called to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love. The son whom you love. Do you know this is the first place in the Bible where the word love is used? Kind of surprising that it takes this long for love to come up since love is such an important concept in Scripture. And maybe you would have thought that love would first be used to describe like a man's love for his wife or a believer's love for his God. But the first time love is used in Scripture, it's meant to describe a father who loves his only son. And there's good reason for that. So God recognizes that Abraham's love for his son is special, but God wanted to show him a different kind of love. And so he tested him. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. There's no easy or pretty way to picture what what God was telling Abraham to do. I mean, to put it bluntly, he was telling him to take his son, to slaughter him like an animal, and to burn his body to ash. As a parent, what would you do? I'm always amazed when... uh, I think about that, I hear this command of God to Abraham, and then, then I see the very next verse. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled the donkey, and set out. He got up early to do it. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't hang around for like a third cup of coffee because he didn't want to get after this thing that he obviously wouldn't want to do. He got up early. And then then there's that word, enough, when he gathered enough wood for the sacrifice. Think about the mental math you're doing at that point, determining how much wood I need to burn my son's body to ash. He got up early to do it. Man, I, I couldn't see myself doing that. I don't think I would be breaking the speed limit on the way to Moriah to do this thing. How in the world can Abraham act like this? How in the world can he possibly carry on? Well, 
Abram had to be doing some, not just mental gymnastics, but some real faith gymnastics. Because what he was doing is he was wrestling with two words from God that were competing or, or seemingly contradictory words from God. Right? On the one hand, he had God's promises. God had promised him that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. And then God promised him that that was going to happen through Isaac. God said, through Isaac, your offspring will be reckoned. So God's promise is that all these many nations are going to be coming from Isaac. And then, more than that, God said, oh yeah, and one of those descendants is going to be a blessing to all people on earth. One of those descendants is going to be the Messiah, the Savior that God's people have been waiting for since the Garden of Eden. Okay, this was one word from God, and then you have this one. Go sacrifice Isaac on the mountain. So what God's asking Abraham to do has got some big consequences. I mean, Isaac was supposed to be the link between Abraham and all the succeeding generations until the Messiah came. If Isaac were dead, well, there would be no more succeeding generations. There would be no Messiah at all. And yet, Abraham, even though with that math... His eternal salvation depended on the physical life of his son, right? His son had to be alive in order to have these descendants that the Messiah was going to come from. Even though his eternal life was dependent on his son's physical life, yet Abraham got up early, gathered enough wood for the offering, and set off for Mount Moriah. See, what Abraham did, these mental and faith gymnastics, as he listened to the two seemingly contradictory words of God, and he simply believed them both. Because our God doesn't lie. If God said, your offering, offspring is going to be reckoned through Isaac, and God said, go sacrifice Isaac on the mountain, well, I'm going to believe both of those things. And what that means, the place that Abraham had to come to is what we hear in Hebrews chapter 11, where it said, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. Even if it would take a miracle, even if it meant God had to raise Jacob, excuse me, Isaac to life, Abraham believed God would keep his promises. So he took these two contradictory or seemingly contradictory statements and he believed them both. He had faith that the God who made his promise will absolutely keep it. It's the only way Abraham could go up that mountain carrying that knife is by faith in these promises of God, that the God of the promises would not fail him. Well, promise that even if he had to sacrifice Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. So, okay, Lord, you're telling me to sacrifice my son. You're also telling me that my son is the ancestor to the Savior. Okay, Lord, I believe you. It's the faith you see in Abraham when he and Isaac and the party get to Mount Moriah. You can hear the faith in his words. Listen to what he says. See if you can find it. He says to the servants, you stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. You heard it, right? 
we will come back to you. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. We have a God who keeps his promises. And the God who said, sacrifice your son, is the same God who said, Isaac will be through whom your offspring is reckoned. And Abram walked by faith. The thing about walking by faith is even though Abraham had confidence and trust in these promises of God, that doesn't uh, mean our walk in faith is always easy as we go through life in this broken world. And, you know, as you listen or read through this account, maybe go back this afternoon and read it again and look for how the account just gets to the raw emotion of what's involved here. It stops using their names and starts saying the father and son, father and son, and the two of them walked on together. And the two of them walked on together. I don't know what was going on in Abraham's heart when Isaac said, the fire and wood are here, but where's the lamb? How do you hold that together? Here's the thing, though, about Abraham. When we simply rest and trust in God's promises, there's going to be times when there are questions that someone asks of us that we won't have an answer for. There are problems that are going to come into our life that we don't have a fix for. There are things that are broken that we just can't put back together. When the outward circumstances of your life don't seem to line up with the promises that God's given you, Abram shows us what we do is we throw ourselves back into the lap of our Heavenly Father and say, I don't know. The Lord will provide, though. I don't know this is above my pay grade, but God, the God who promises this, he promises he's going to fix it. I mean, sometimes we're tempted to give our children pat answers when they ask us questions we don't know the answer for. Maybe we'd be better off to be like Abraham. Let's say the Lord's going to provide. You know, uh, there are times in our lives when there are things that are broken that we can't fix, but we just have to carry. But here's a promise that God makes you. He promises to fix what's broken in your life, whether it's cancer whether it's sorrow, whether it's loneliness. God promises to fix it. He promises to provide the answer. Now, he doesn't promise it today. He doesn't promise it tomorrow. He doesn't necessarily promise it to you this side of heaven, but he promises it. So no matter what it is that you're being asked to carry, no matter what it is that you're being asked to bear, we have a Lord who has promised to provide the solution for it. What we get to do is, like Abraham, is simply walk and trust in God's promises and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe them both. So here you have Abraham on the top of this mountain, and you got a father ready and willing to kill his son. What kind of dad is that? Well, interestingly, um, it's the best kind of father when you look at it from Scripture. Because you know that mountain, Mount Moriah? That actually was a very significant place because many generations later, this mountain on which Abraham and Isaac were standing would become the Temple Mount, the place where God would have his temple built, where God would have his presence, where he said, if you want to find God, you go to this mountain. There's no coincidences in Scripture. On a rocky little outcrop 
On the side of Mount Moriah is another hill called Calvary, or Golgotha. And that's the place where God the Father was willing to sacrifice his only beloved son for you and for me. But because he did, because he did, your sins are forgiven. And God has set you free from your past and invites you to a new life of walking in faith and in the freedom of forgiveness. That's the story of that mountain. And we get to see an even more beautiful picture with how God provided the answer. Moses was, excuse me, Abraham was ready, but the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, no, I'm going to provide a substitute. Abraham had been prophetic earlier when he said the Lord will provide an answer because there God provided a ram stuck in the, with its horns in the bushes and he sacrificed the ram instead of his son and he named that place the Lord will provide mountain. He was called that for over a thousand years until it became the place where you could find God and the place where God made man died as the substitute for all men. There's no coincidences in the Bible. That's why I found it so interesting that the first time the word love is used, it's talking about a father's love for his only son, Abraham loving Isaac. Um, That's in the Old Testament. Do you know where the first time the word love shows up in the New Testament? Can you guess? Matthew, Mark, Luke's gospel, the first time it shows up is when God the Father says, this is my son whom I love. This is the central message of Christianity, that the father loved his son, but was willing to sacrifice him for the sake of the world. Love shows up the first time in John's gospel in another interesting place. In John chapter 3, verse 16, where we find out that this arrow pointing down act of grace, this love that God has for his son is also a love he showers on the world. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. God's love provided the lamb. You have God's firm and certain promises that your sins are forgiven, your guilt is covered, and heaven is open. No matter what you have to bear in this life, no matter what broken shards of this world you have to walk through, You have a God who has promised you, promised you that one day he's going to right everything that's wrong. And our God does not lie. God grant it. Amen.